If you're a senior executive looking to transition to boards, check out our Fast Start Guide to Board Success. In this short guide, we'll answer all of your questions about landing a paid board role and we'll share some of the rookie errors executives make when trying to climb the board ladder. Jump on our website, boardcoachinginstitute.com.au or click on the link in the show notes to access your free copy today. If you're looking for board success, let us show you how. Hello and welcome to Insider Insight, where you get to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom. Today we're joined by Donna McMaster, who will give us her unique perspective of board life and offer up some hints and tips to help you to succeed too. Donna is currently serving on three boards, Gal Pacific Limited, YMCA Services Proprietary Limited and Dandenong Market Proprietary Limited. And she also has member and chair roles in some of the various board committees of these organisations. She's an executive advisor to the consumer and retail sector and is also the proud winner of the Telstra Businesswoman of the Year Award. So join me now and let's hear from our insider, Donna McMaster. Donna, thanks very much for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Now, you've had a fabulous career and not without its, um, its awards. Telstra Business um, Award is quite prestigious. Tell us a bit about what you're doing now between your um, daytime roles, your executive engagements and your, your board work. Uh, well, I, I guess the range of uh, roles that I perform is keeping me pretty busy, aside from the fact that I have a family, a young family and a number of other uh, personal interests, but I uh, currently serve on uh, three boards uh, and chair one other uh, community-based committee uh, and then provide um, executive advice to two organisations. So all of the roles are uh, part-time by nature, but when you add them up, it's it's probably full-time plus. Yeah, absolutely. And because you don't get into that flow, multiple part-time work is a lot more difficult to manage than one full-time role. How do you manage your time? It sure is. Um, Yeah, look, I spend a a fair bit of time each week kind of planning the work that I need to do for the following. Um, But there's no getting away from the fact that some days are long uh, because the ebbs and flows of board work don't doesn't necessarily happen in a coordinated way. Uh, some weeks you'll have multiple board meetings and therefore uh, a series of papers to review uh, in the week ahead. And then in another week, uh, you won't have the same level of commitment. I guess it's probably no different to consulting. It's just having the capacity, I guess, to manage the ebb and flow and uh, be able to put in the hours when required and make use of the hours when you have a few yeah. extra. Yeah, it can be quite unpredictable, can't it? The things that you think are going to take a lot of time can be dealt with very swiftly with the right information and the right sort of background knowledge. And then other things that you think are going to be very fast to resolve can end up being quite tricky once you start questioning and and peeling off the layers. It can take a lot longer. It can. I I always, uh, as much as I plan uh, for meetings, I always equally plan to do my research and preparation. I think uh, the the idea of attending a board meeting next week and worrying about the papers the night before, uh, it would be a real trap to fall into. So I I equally plan to do my research and preparation 
uh, as much as I plan to uh, be actually in attendance at the meeting. Yeah, you just made my hairs go off my arm then when you said reading the night before. I can only imagine the, the difficulty in trying to get through those papers with a deadline that, you know, that urgent. It would be very, 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 very hard tricky. to imagine. Very tricky. <laughs> so tell us about how you got your board break. How did you get into board roles? Well, I, it was suggested to me that it might be a career worth pursuing uh, once I decided to uh, press pause on my executive career. And, and the first thing I did to really understand whether or not it was for me uh, was I took myself off to be educated as a non-executive director. I completed the and graduated from the Australian Institute of Company Directors Program. Uh, and, and I made myself available for all the advice uh, that was on offer about what it meant to be a non-executive director and how I might start my career. And I think the first bit of really good advice was that I needed to, uh, in a way, remember that regardless of what I've achieved as an executive, regardless of the mighty titles uh, that might have uh, been attached to my name, uh, that it really didn't count for much in the non-executive space, uh, that I really didn't have any board credibility. Uh, and, and it wasn't so much about the businesses that I had worked with or the roles that I had, as much as it was what is the skills and experience and knowledge that I could contribute to a board. And I guess that kind of changed my paradigm about this because in a way I thought that I would sort of finish my executive career and where I finished would be where I started my non-executive career when in actual fact I was starting over. And, uh, and so I guess my first break came because I, I reset my expectations. Uh, you know, the difference between expectation and reality is disappointment. And I didn't want to have too higher expectations and then be disappointed about my start. So I began looking at uh, opportunities within the community to serve uh, on boards and obviously in areas that I'm passionate about uh, with a view to then being able to sharpen my saw in this space and start to build that board credibility that I really didn't have when I began. Um, and for me, that looked like joining a school board uh, on a pro bono basis. Um, and from there, I began to, I guess, assemble my board roles off the back of that preliminary experience. For me, it was kind of a building block. Uh, so my next uh, uh, board role was in the not-for-profit space, um, followed a couple of years later in the proprietary limited space. And then in 2018, I moved into the listed space. Um, but I, I, I actually realise now that i wouldn't it, it wouldn't have been uh, good for a board that I served on or myself as a director to leap straight out of an executive career into a listed company as a director. There was a lot I needed to learn. I think that's the other thing. You know, the only people that aren't learning are those in the cemetery. And I think that goes for the non-executive space as well. A lot of people think that, you know, once you're a non-executive director, you're an expert. Um, you certainly have expertise, and that's important, um, but you're still learning an, an awful amount. I, I started this journey in 2013, 
um, I'm still learning frantically today, just as I did in my executive career every time I took a new position. Uh, so that was, that was really important advice. And I'd say I, I haven't got lucky here. I, I've earned it. I've, I've worked hard uh, to kind of rebuild my career. Um, and, and, I, and I think the other thing uh, that's worth remembering is the board space does operate a little differently in terms of how it recruits for directors. I guess in senior executive roles, uh, companies are heavy, heavily reliant upon recruiters and headhunters. It doesn't quite work that way here. Um, there's a lot of positions uh, advertised, particularly with smaller proprietary limited organisations or not-for-profits, but usually through uh, networked organisations, LinkedIn, for example, or the AICD or others. Um, but in the listed space, uh, often uh, uh, directors are recommended uh, by other directors or by audit firms. It's kind of a unique way in which directors are, are recruited and therefore not, not quite as easy as turning up and speaking to a recruiter and hoping that they'll recommend you for a number of roles. Yeah. So, you know, lots of, lots of different things to learn. But I, I think perhaps the most important realisation for me was understanding that I was starting my career over, um, that it was a new career, not additive to one that I previously had. And no question, um, I've been able to rely on all of the great knowledge and skill and experience that I had in my executive career, but I, I was starting a new one. Uh, I know that now. Okay. Um, I just want to ask you a couple of things about that because this is really, really interesting. So you put your executive career on pause. So there was a clear delineation between executive work and board life going forward. When I've spoken to um, board directors that have done this, that have given up work deliberately or found themselves um, retrenched, made redundant, whatever, decided to go on this path, they often talk about the void. Can you explain that to us? So how you, you know, you've got your executive career, you're gonna transition into non-executive career, but there's a void between the two that's quite empty isn't it yeah it is but i chose to fill it uh by learning everything it was about this career that i was going to embark right. on i i kind of used it as a form of study if you like to um uh attach myself to organizations that were about non-executive careers to uh, perhaps spend the valuable time that i have now uh, learning about different organisations, reading about board decisions. I, I took it as an opportunity to kind of get my skates on and um, really make sure that it was a career that I wanted. Um, right. <laughs> as opposed to just, you know, kind of good idea. Um, yeah. And, you... uh, and kind of plot, you know, chart a path for myself, really. Um, yeah. But, and look, some people uh, would choose not to do it that way. Some people would say, well, look, I, I'll try and gather some board roles whilst I'm still in an executive role. Uh, so that's kind of common. I must confess, particularly if you've got a particularly busy executive role, I'm not sure you have the time to do both if you intend to serve well, because gone are the days where you just turn up for a meeting once a month. I mean, that's... That's just not a way to conduct yourself as a director and, and it wouldn't be wise to do so in your interests and the company's. And so 
I, I tend to find for every board role that I've got, regardless of the number of meetings I have, I'd be spending up to a day a week uh, devoting my, um, my focus and my mental energy to, to that board, whether it's, you know, spending time, if it's a retail board, spending time in stores, trying to kind of get an experience as the customer would, uh, so that I'm kind of understanding the business in many ways, not just based on what I read in the papers that I'm served every month. And I think that's incumbent upon all directors to not necessarily trust what they're told, but check uh, that, that uh, the advice that they're being provided by management is, um, is actually aligned to what uh, customers and clients are actually experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. That role's definitely changing. It used to be uh, very much a rubber stamping role, didn't it? Take this yeah. board, get it signed off, we're good. And you know, it would be a, a few people sitting around a board table, rubber stamping. Yep, that's okay. Bring me, you know, bring me your proposal, bring me your research, bring me the risk, and I'll decide. Now it's very much on the board member to consider the risk, to consider the advice, to consider the information, and, and to challenge it and be curious around what's being presented. So it's definitely changing a lot. That's yeah. very interesting you say that. And I, and, I, and I must say, because I serve in, you know, in a community organisation, in a not-for-profit, a proprietary limited company and a listed company, and I can't think of one director or one board that operates that way. Everybody yeah. does a lot of heavy lifting these days and I think it's too great a risk to not. Yeah, absolutely. And the penalties now are much heavier as well. Yeah. We saw the legislation change in 2019 so that there's now longer prison terms, there's financial penalties of over a million dollars, but even though we've had those penalties at a much lesser amount, we never really um, imposed them. You know, people got a slap on the wrist or a bit of bad publicity and they went on their way, whereas now the court of public opinion is much stronger. Social media brings the information to us faster. It rallies all the support around it as it arrives. And I think there's more, um, there's more social pressure on boards now. So about the communities, the societies, and the general stakeholders that extend beyond the customers and the owners of the business, but the, yep. the, you know, the people in society around them that might use that service or be exposed to it excuse yeah. me yeah yeah absolutely what are um what are some of the common challenges you face in your role um well, i think it's one of the um it's one of the wonderful things about a board with very good composition um and that is that there's diversity uh of opinion and view and perspective as much as there might be diversity of director. In fact, I think that's the point of diversity of director is so you get the diversity of view and perspective. Um, but you have to remember as a director that you're one member of a board that needs to align around a decision. And it's important to come at that decision with that range of views because I think otherwise you end up in kind of groupthink and therefore yeah. haven't possibly contemplated every scenario in reaching your decision. But uh, it is sometimes tricky to come to that kind of level of consensus. Uh, it can be, can be quite tricky. And 
Um, but but I'm, I'm pleased to say in my experience, um, every director that I have the good fortune of working alongside is willing to do the work to get there and make sure that we've considered every angle on something so that regardless of the decision of the board, even though it might not have been necessarily your starting position, you're comfortable with where it lands. But I, I think that's probably the most difficult and there's varying degrees of that difficulty. Um, but I think that that's uh, probably one of the, uh, the trickiest things about, about being on the board is, is having that diversity, which I strongly encourage, but also being able to reconcile it in decision-making that every director is able to align to. And there's a kind of pick the battles with this as well, because you've got the diversity of thinking and you've got to have the, um, the insight to know which battles do I really need to put my stake in the ground and say, no, 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 I really want to insist that we do consider this. And when do we say, okay, well, the consensus is, and I'll let this one go. So have you got any sort of um, mechanisms for deciding which battles that you, you aim for? Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess uh, uh, nothing more than's required of me as a director in terms of my fiduciary responsibilities. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess if I uh, have a leaning at all, you know, my lane, the thing that I bring to the table is the customer perspective. And so I never like to see that forgotten in decision making. And I equally um, have very strong views about creating uh, a culture where people can thrive. And I think that culture uh, starts with the board. Um, and so they're probably uh, the areas that I'm particularly sensitive to and have strong views about. I mean, I think that the thing to always remember is that you can, if, if, if your view is significantly different to the rest of the board, but you're a minority, you can always have that view expressed in the minutes. Um, it, it can always be expressed in the minutes. Um, I hate to hear directors who, who had a different perspective but didn't raise it or, or were disappointed about the decision of the board later because they did have the opportunity to have their, their particular perspective uh, uh, reflected in the minutes. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think... You know, it really comes down to do I respect everybody at the table and am I listening? Am I able to uh, see things from their perspective? Perhaps that's the mechanism. I seek to understand before seeking to be understood. And so if I've got a good handle on where everybody else is coming from, then I'm able to uh, uh, alter my position on things for the benefit of the company and those that are served by it and own it. Um, no question I'm willing to do that. Uh, and I really don't find myself in too many situations where uh, I'm, I'm led to have my, my, my comments reported yeah. in the minutes. We, we get there in the yeah. end. I, I'm just prepared to put in the work uh, until that sort of alignment can be reached and, yeah. and keep listening to everybody else's view. I mean, I think that's, Again, it's a key difference between being the leader of an organisation uh, and a member of the board. A leader of the organisation can kind of consult their teams and then say, but ultimately the buck stops with me and I'm going to decide we go this way. Whereas a board don't have that same luxury. A board have to come to an agreement. But 
I think that's a good thing, actually. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. And I've learned as much about myself as I have about everybody else in the process. Yeah. And I've heard people say that, you know, well, if you're a great leader in your executive career, you're listening to everyone and you're consulting anyway, so board work isn't really that much different. But just knowing that you've got the power to make that decision as an executive and that you don't have that power to make that decision on a board, it's a very different mindset, isn't it? It's a yeah. different paradigm. Well, and I think um, one of the key skills for directors is, you know, when you're in an executive space, you're the one that has to have all the answers. And I would say as a director, I feel like we're the ones that have to have all the questions. Yeah. Um, and so it's knowing, it's asking all of the good questions, asking all of the right questions that is, in my view, more important in this role than necessarily being the subject matter expert and having all the answers. Yeah, it's a, it's a different way of leading. You know? Yeah, and I think that supports what you said around um, there not being conflict. If you're all coming from this from a common point of view, which is what's best for the business, what's best for the customer, and you're all asking questions, you might have viewpoint A, but because of the questions that people around the board are asking, that gives you the shift that you need to make viewpoint B. So. It's based on that questioning skills and that peeling back the layers to really understand what is the actual decision that we need to make here. And I think that in itself can be a skill, understanding what decision are we actually making and what information do we need for that decision. Absolutely. Um, rather than just talking about things around the issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, if, if the composition of the board is sound, then everybody's going to have their angle on something. Um, yeah. But it's the combination of all of those perspectives that make for powerful decision-making, not anyone's view on their own. Yeah. And it was really interesting that you said at the start of this that um, you'd often go into stores and have a look around and, and have the customer experience because not every board member would do that and, and board members aren't expected to do that. But whilst you're doing that because that's important to you, you would have finance people pouring over the numbers in, in, in a lot of detail because that's important to them and legal people going through the fine print because that's important to them. Absolutely. These perspectives all come together to blend, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's important to make sure that, um, and I, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about decision making around joining boards because I actually think the decision is as important for you as it is for the board you know yeah. choosing the group of people that you are prepared to serve alongside um, and you know somebody uh, said something to me once they said it's all very well to be the exotic fish in the pond but if the rest of the school don't like it, they'll eat it alive. <laughs> and, and I think it was, it was in reference to perhaps being the only female on a board or perhaps somebody that uh, arrives with a completely different skill set and knowledge base than everybody else. I think that's a very important call out. You want to make sure that you're joining a board where your perspective will be valued even if it's different to everybody else. Um, yeah. Because I think if you find yourself on a board where you're that exotic fish, um, it's going to be 
difficult to not only add value, but uh, I, I, I guess also difficult to feel comfortable in that position with all the risks that you now have attached to it. Yeah. Now, I've got a resource that is a due diligence checklist. And what I do with my clients is prove to yourself why you should take this role. So in other words, it gives you all the reasons you shouldn't take it. And if you can and not tick all the reasons why you shouldn't take it, then you can take it rather than I've been offered a board role. Yeah, I can fit it in. I like what they do. I'll take it because... When we're making decisions, we make emotional decisions. So we get flattered that we've been invited to the board. You know, we, we use emotion to make the decision and then logic to back it up afterwards. So we need more logic in this process. But that people piece, the way that I explain it, and tell me if you agree with this, I ask, are they your people? So they don't have to be the same as you. They don't have to... And be a cookie cutter of you, but are they your people? Are they the people that you can hang with in a boardroom once a month for three years? Are they people that you could comfortably have a lunch with? You know, different, different opinions and different skills. So they're going to challenge you and they're going to be different to you, but are they your people? Does that work for you as a... Yeah, I mean, there are there are some directors that I don't meet outside of um, uh, the business of the board. Um, I would say it's can you trust them? Because yeah. because really, uh, the decisions of the board you're going to be bound by. So can you trust them? And are you trustworthy? Uh, they're the things for me. I, I don't have to be, I don't have to know the same. I don't have to be the same. I don't even have to like them particularly. Yeah. But can I trust them? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot at stake here for me at a personal level. And I'm going to have different perspectives on things, but I am going to be bound by the decisions of this board. Yes. And do I trust everybody else who's coming to those uh, to those decisions. So, you know, that's, that's the key thing for me. Um, and and I, I think if you get to a point where you feel that that trust is broken or you can't trust, then that's not the board for you. That's definitely not yeah. the board for you. And that's irreparable. Once that happens, there's no going back. There's no okay. going back, absolutely. Yeah. Donna, that's um, a great insight there. Thank you for that. I'm going to look into trust in more detail and and not not so much trust in others but your own trustworthiness and how you can convey that as a first time um non-executive director but looking for your first role how can you convey your own trustworthiness i think that's going to be a really important thing to get across in interviews and meet and greets with boards yeah absolutely and remember trustworthiness is based on competence and character so it's not just about what you know and what you can do and what your experience is, but it's what you stand for. Do you have integrity? What are your values? And, yeah. you, know, and I, 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 you know, perhaps another insight for me is um, boards have not interrogated me in interviews as much as I have interrogated them. I, I really take the opportunity. I wouldn't go into a board interview with anything less than 20 questions about yeah. that company and of those directors. Uh, yeah. In fact, often there's not enough time to perhaps uh, talk about me because I'm more interested in the organisation. And I think 
a good board will establish my trustworthiness based on the questions I'm asking of it. Uh, so there's an opportunity really to drive your career even from an interview rather yeah. than feel like you're at the mercy of decision-making of a, a bunch of directors who you've never met before. Well, you're definitely demonstrating your diligence. Yeah. That's a really Absolutely. good quality for a board member. So the last question that I'd have today is what advice would you have for somebody who's starting out today, making the transition from executive to board work, either by jumping into the void or by making a transition by adding a board role onto what they're already doing? What guidance could you give them? Um, I learn as much about it so you know it's really what you'll enjoy doing um, because it's work. Um, it's significant work sometimes and we all know the saying if you love what you do it won't feel like you've ever worked so the same applies here um, and I think you can only do that through uh, research uh, some study or um, uh, programs that help support uh, this new career you're embarking on um, uh, so that would be the first thing make sure it's it's what you're going to be happy to do the second thing is don't underestimate how much work's involved um, I don't think anymore you could say it's that kind of um, uh, interesting work I get to do on a very part-time basis um, and I only have to go to a meeting um, a month. Uh, that's yeah. not the case anymore. You, you do need to put in a lot of hours. I, I think the other thing is, uh, and this is sort of a point of reflection, is what can I add? How would I help a board? Uh, and I think probably that question is most difficult for those that are in generalist roles, who've, uh, who've kind of been um, the master of many things. Uh, whereas in, in board work, you really need to know your lane. You know, what are you adding? And, and hopefully you're adding something that nobody else has at the table and therefore you're, you're enabling a much better board composition by bringing the knowledge and skills that, that you have. Yeah. Um, I think I've talked about it, but, you know, remember that, that, that there's still plenty to learn in this space. Uh, and so keeping um, at least some of yourself available to learning new things. Um, the other perspective is I, I've um, managed to acquire great mentors in this space as much as I did in my executive career. That's equally important, people that will always have your back. Um, some of the best people that I've ever had the opportunity to work with, and that includes now as a non-executive director, are those that valued my success as much as their own. Find those people, yeah. really find those people. Um, and the last thing I'd say is, and again, it's a, I feel like you've got to change gears a little bit when you come away from being a CEO or a managing director or a general manager and then move into this space. Someone once asked me as I got started, it's kind of like being a trim tab. And I said, what on earth is a trim tab? And they said, well, the trim tab is the little rudder that steers the big rudder that steers the ship. And so instead of being up on the bridge with your hands on the wheel, trying to figure out how you're going to navigate the seas, which is kind of the job of the CEO, uh, the board is steering from behind. And I, and I, that visual for me was particularly helpful in terms of how I could stay out of management's way, uh, but still be able to add tremendous value 
and lead in a way that perhaps is different to how I've led before, yeah. but leadership all the same. And I, I was most grateful for those early lessons because it's really uh, helped me develop a career, a second career, if you like, that I'm, I'm so proud of today. Yeah, well, you've got a fabulous board career. I think that's testament to all the work that you put in in the beginning before you jumped in and the fact that you know what you're looking for and you take a lot of care and, and time and, and diligent inquiry to ensure that it's a good match for you because if it's not right, it's just not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're on that board for a long time if it's not right. You are. You are. <laughs> Donna, Absolutely. thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all those tips. It's My been pleasure. lovely getting to meet you and to hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. You've been listening to Insider Insights with Sally Parrish. Insider Insights is the place to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom to learn from their experience. We hope you've discovered some great learnings today that you can apply to your board role. We look forward to your company on the next episode of Insider Insights.